I was uh, rolling out my recycling bin this morning, like so many people do. And I hear more glass than plastic. Why? Well, that's really about the habits that we have in our home. And I thought to myself, you know, like so many people before me, who's separating this? Like, who is like, we've got, we've got paper, we got cardboard, we got nine types of plastic with the, the triangles, and we've got glass. I'm sure it's sorted, but I'm stuffing plastic within paper and bottles within plastic. And I've realized that, A, I'm a tedious person that has these thoughts that are unoriginal, and B, I have too much time on my hands. Welcome to the manifestation of having too much time on your hands, a podcast. Kristen, Dame, hello. Hello. Good day. How often does your recycling come, Kristen? Uh, every other week. Uh, Dame, same for you? Same. Every week for us. And uh, I'm, you know, I know it's not a hot take or, or because it's sort of an old take. It's not a fresh take, I should say. I, I'm not convinced it actually it gets sorted. No offense. Do you have you? Doesn't. It's like the old Penn and Teller uh, they show on like Showtime is like mm-hmm. BS or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It probably doesn't. I'm pretty sure that where I'm at right now, they're not currently recycling. But also, if you're not treating your recycling properly, it's not being recycled, like removing outer plastic labels and rinsing it out. Um, a lot of places then can't use it. So most yeah. of what you're putting in the recycling can, they probably can't use. Boy, this is uplifting. Sorry. <laughs> no, we did it. Um, Dame, do you clean out the peanut butter jar before you put it in? I don't eat peanut there... butter anymore, Pete. You know, I, I, I know that. That was the... Why? Yeah, thanks. Because it doesn't taste right. After COVID, it, it, peanut oh, butter does not taste no. right. It's like the worst thing that could happen to someone. I know. Especially a dad. Okay, um, let's do this. We've got a fun show today, and it is unfortunately, Jeremiah, one of those shows in which um, my life is going to take precedence over the show. Um, so uh, we're going to have to go quickly. Dane, we got a food segment today. Mm. Peanut butter? Um, no, better. Oh, honey. Okay. Oh, Kristen, you ever get down on the peanut butter and honey sandwich? Not usually. Peanut butter and banana, like in yeah. a waffle? Hmm. Oh, you had to crack the honey. So we're going to talk honey today. Uh, then we're going to talk about signs that your financial stability is slipping. I think it's called having two teenagers. Uh, and then finally, uh, maybe the mailbag. We'll see what happens. Maybe some witty banter about recycling. I don't know what's in the bag. We'll see what happens. Uh, Daniel says PB and H for life. I, oh, I feel you there. Yeah. That's what I grew up on. Um, Damien, your your people are feeling you. You are literally the only other person I know who had COVID caused peanut butter. Uh, that's that's wild. It's always fun to read things on a podcast and reference what is on the screen when the listener can't hear it. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, let's start. Oh, let's bring Sarah in. Hold on, uh, Sarah. Hello. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, all right. So Sarah also is a podcaster. Sarah, you have a legal podcast? Yeah, that's right. It's called The Perpetual Stew. Uh, I am the uh, the dummy layman uh, alongside my co-host, Matthew Goodman, who is an attorney, a legal educator, a judicial ed- educator, uh, was a professor at um, Wash U in St. Louis. And uh, if you like uh, legislation, if you're kind of a policy wonk and a nerd, I think you'd really like that. So do you, you hit like local issues or do you, are you hitting like constitutional issues? Like what, yes. what are you hitting? Everything. Yes. Answer. Yes. Uh, local issues. Uh, we're, we're, we're big into a lot of people feel kind of defeatist about national politics <laughs> and our whole thing is, you know, most of your, your life in terms of where it intersects with politics is at the state and municipal level. And you actually have a lot of power there. And so we like to talk about national issues and then say, and this is, this is where, you can get a really uh, a good f- local foothold and really, you know, cause some change. Legal stew is that what you uh, The perpetual stew after perpetual the um, after the medieval practice of leaving a pot on the fire. The the law and our lives and the changes are all just ingredients that go into this perpetual stew. It's like recycling food. Okay, <laughs> see the call, Dame. Do you see what I did there? Oh, yeah, I, I see what you tried to do there. <laughs> yeah, I know that didn't go well. Here's the truth, people. I tried to be fancy today. I asked Kristen to give me a word five seconds before the show started, and I was going to tell an opening story about that word. The word she gave me was plastic, and for some reason, I thought I'd come up with something creative about recycling, and it didn't go over well. And I'm going to have to sit with that for the rest of the day. It was fun. 
for actually for the rest of the weekend. It's bros weekend, Dame. Uh, oh. Ted and I are heading to Michigan to play soccer against 11-year-olds. <laughs> well, I, I, I think they're going to beat you, Pete. I, I was going to say, height-wise, I think Pete's going to stomp them, just like no, I did. between they, Pete and Ted. Yeah, Ted's uh, Ted's very excited. It's boys weekend. <laughs> he called me brada this morning. I don't know. He's watching too much YouTube. Um, all right, let's start the show. Um, we're going to introduce Sarah at the top of the show. And uh, let me get my timer out. Then we'll get ready to go. <laughs> Listeners love this. Listeners love this. Okay, here we go. Nope, eh, oh, that's not it. Here we go. In three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com, and here's what will happen. Sometimes nothing. That's the nature of sending an email. Like you could have just wasted your time, or we could answer the email on the air, and we're possibly going to do that later today. Joining me, as always, is Kristen Alanius, Director of Education at Your Money Line. Hello, Kristen. Hello, Pete. And Damian Andrew Dunn. Uh, that Good. spells dad. Hello. Good day. Sorry, I uh, made you step on me. That's my That's fault. Right. Okay, so uh, you guys, I don't know if you know me, but I love food. I am I am accused of being a food snob around here, and I tend to comment on what people are eating for lunch. Uh, Dame, you, you've noticed this. Uh, just a couple times, yes. Kristen, you have clearly noticed this as well. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes I feel self-conscious when I come to the office and just eat a salad. Yeah, well, it's okay. It's been a salad week for me. I've been, <laughs> I've been had uh, sandwich sadness all week. But anyway, here's why I bring this up. Uh, a couple years ago, I discovered something here locally that is like my favorite thing in the world, and it's called scorpion honey. And it is, you know, hot honey's a thing. Scorpion honey is locally made. It's very different. And the founder of scorpion honey and metal honey foods joins us now. Her name is Sarah Murrell. Uh, Sarah, hello. Hey, thanks for having me. So I wanted to have you on because uh, obviously I like business. I like uh, your spicy honey. And I thought, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if the average person got a look inside of what it is to be a gourmet food startup, the farmer's markets, the shipping, the supply issues, preparing in kitchens, and and not to tell a, a story of, of sadness and despair, but really to say what it takes to produce a, a handcrafted food item, especially yeah. in, in the state of Indiana. So is that a good launching point for this conversation? In fact, your your prompt there, Kristen, about plastic is actually the perfect jumping off point uh, because yeah. uh, we just made. So, you know, if I had to step on a soapbox, it would be uh, to not hold yourself to an absolutely absurd ideological standard, uh, which I started selling all my products in glass uh, when I first started. And glass, as you know, is significantly heavier than plastic. Um, and uh, because I was... Um, you know, I say this with all the love and affection and acceptance of my lovely farmer's market customers, but mm -hmm. it does speak to um, just like a certain ideological strata of um, of sort of food ethics. And uh, I wanted to make the most ethically perfect local, you know, glass is the most recyclable substance that you can package food in. This also um, doesn't leach any um, plastics, any microplastics. Um, and that's all well and good. But I thought that people would be really interested in recycling the glass. They don't care. They just <laughs> don't care. Um, I, I also thought that I could, you know, that the product could be good enough that it would absorb the extra cost to ship uh, uh, something with a 1.34 specific gravity in a big old glass bottle. Um, and that is just, I've been pounding my head against this brick wall uh, for two and a half years now. And, uh, and my head hurts and I'm done. So we're switching over to plastic. Well, it's funny. So Sarah, over the years, I have watched on Instagram. It, when you tell someone you watch them on Instagram, it actually, it's inherently creepy, but I, it's, it's designed that way. I post, I post, I know what's, okay. I know what's happening, you know? No, but I, you know, I, I've watched this unfold and I, I find it fascinating from what kind of price you get on the raw honey and then where you grow your peppers yeah. to where you bottle. So, so let's, let's step back for a second. The original product you put out was scorpion honey trinidad scorpion peppers infused uh into honey T talk to us about how this even came to to be uh yeah so um i uh, over the pandemic um i used to work in live music pr i worked for do 317 and mlkb the uh, local concert uh promoters here and uh pandemic happened live nation pulls their ad budget my whole salary came from you know 
Live Nation simply passed that money through um, MLKB and Do317, and it came to me, and they said, yoink, we're going to need that money back while we make zero dollars. Um, and so uh, through no fault of their own, of course, Do317 and MLKB said, sorry, we don't have any money for you. And I was like, dang. So uh, while I was uh, unloading dairy trucks, I had all kinds of side jobs during the, sure. the actual panning and lockdown. Um, but uh, I also like vehemently refused to waste my precious time on earth mowing grass. So I have a big uh, raised bed kitchen garden in my front yard instead of grass. And I was growing all kinds of stuff. And one of the things that I grew was a couple of these Trinidad scorpion pepper plants. Um, if you've never seen them, uh, they're, they look like bell peppers that have been put into like a shrinker and a dehydrator. And they have almost almost zero water content. They have like a 10 or 20% water content. And uh, I wanted to make a hot sauce, but I didn't want to cook because anytime you infuse, you know, a capsaicin product with steam, you're you're turning all the air into your house into mace. You know, oh. you just might as well empty out some pepper spray cans just Who as knew? You, like, like a Febreze bottle, right? So I didn't want to do that. And uh, uh, just some fun chemistry facts about honey. It has a starting uh, pH of 3.9, which is about the same as Florida orange juice. Um, and also uh, bricks. So B-R-I-C-S, like the, you know, the uh, ice cream store in... Yeah. That is named after the BRICS score. So uh, the BRICS score is what uh, is is how you test the sugar content of things. So between its BRICS score, its pH, um, and its enzyme content, honey is an incredible preservative. There have been um, Egyptian tombs open up where the um, the actual sarcophagus was filled with honey and like enough to cover the the body in there. So um, <clears throat> I, I went ahead with that uh, process, and the the resulting product was this bright day glow orange uh product and i googled the the trademark office and no one had called anything scorpion honey and no one owned the trademark so i named it that and i trademarked it and if you want to make scorpion honey pay me <laughs> well i'll say this um so we have a few minutes left here i i love it i absolutely love it. i put it on everything and and it's you know hot honey has become a thing yeah and the weird thing about this is Sarah, I've cheated on you. I've bought other hot honey and I just wanted to publicly admit this. It's not nearly as good. It's not even well, close. You. Appreciate um, that. One of my friends is, is on the live stream right now who's often at my house and, and they enjoy scorpion honey um, uh, because I've given them some and, and had it at our house. People can buy it at metalhoney.com, but this yep. also spurred other products for you. Like every yep. business that solves a problem uh, you, you create more problems of your own by expanding right. and, and adding products. So <laughs> now, now you, you sell at a farmer's market on a pretty regular basis. How many farmer's markets uh, can people get metal honey at? Uh, uh, four farmer's markets. That'd be Wednesday City Market, 10 to one uh, 10 to 1.30 at, in front of uh, the city market. And then uh, Sobro, 4.30 to 7.30, 49th and College. And then on Saturdays, Binford Market and Garfield Park Farmer's Market. So how, lots of places. How fun has been, have the metrics of a startup been for you? <laughs> like looking at shipping and those sorts of, do you enjoy that before you went in or have you had to enjoy it? Uh, I did. You're, you're correct in that. Like I really didn't, I really put off dealing with that as long as possible, but uh, I use Shopify and Shopify is an incredibly um, robust platform in terms of its, um, in terms of its reporting and in terms of uh, integrating it into other, you know, you can download basically anything that you want as a report and sort of, you know, do your, do your magic bleep bloops in the Excel sheet. And uh, it, you know, you run the numbers long enough and you cannot avoid the problems that they tell you about, right? It's like having a KGB spy on the inside of your own of your own business. It's true. And so, uh, you know, I've, of course, tried a lot of uh, your stuff. I I'd love for people to go to metalhoney.com, support your business. And uh, it's funny, when you go to a restaurant now, there's always some dish with hot honey on it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is a thing. Um, it's great on pizza. It's great with cheese. I love it on any fried food. Um, so what's, you know, with, with, uh, you know, a minute left, Sarah, um, I don't want to ask what's next because that, that sort of sometimes trivializes and marginalizes all the work you've put in, but what's on the horizon for you might be the cleaner way to ask that. Uh, you know, I have very little emotional connection. I feel like a dog breeder more than a parent. People talk about business. So I'm ready to sell this dog. If anybody wants to become <laughs> the next owners of metal honey foods, I'm ready to move on. I'm just kidding. I mean, I, I love this brand, but the whole thing um, is the whole thing from the beginning was meant to be something that could become a co-packing or a, a 
contract packaging brand. So sure. um, that's kind of the next like three to five years is moving that off into me not doing any of the production, which would be really cool. Um, and then probably honestly cutting down on some of the stuff that we've experimented with that's not selling and just streamlining and keeping it going. Well, awesome. So go to metalhoney.com, buy some honey, buy scorpion honey. It's my favorite. It's got the pizza planner seal of approval. The Thank speed planner so will be right back after this. Awesome. Thank you, Sarah. That yeah, was fun. That was awesome. Um, Dame, have you have I have you had it? No. Kristen, have you had it? I haven't, but I'm feeling like a piece of toast and some cottage cheese mm. and some hot honey. I feel like that would be a vibe. Dame, can I, you, yeah, go ahead. Can I run an idea by you guys for my sure. anniversary? Oh, yes. So uh, I was going to partner with, I have a couple friends who are chocolatiers and I was going to make a white chocolate. Um, it was going to be called the sky burial as like a challenge. So it's a coffin shaped white chocolate in the <laughs> middle is like a super concentrated, super spicy form of scorpion honey. And of course, it's a big promotional thing. You know, we take everybody's a video of people eating it and you still have to pay for it. And you sign yeah. a little waiver and it's a whole thing. What do you think? Oh, that's genius. Yeah. I think people would do it. I'd be scared, though. <laughs> yes, that's that's what we want. We want a little healthy fear injected into the process. Uh, Sarah, the, the best compliment I can pay you. So I, I give your honey to a lot of people. Like I just Thank like you. I give it as a gift. And so here, here's the best compliment I can pay you. Uh, I've given it to both my mother-in-law and my mother who've returned it because it's too hot. <laughs> and I, I don't know why, but I think that's I think that's amazing. It just makes oh, me laugh. I like it. That makes me so happy. Uh, I also, I love the irony. I just started dating a guy who's type one diabetic and hates spicy food. And I'm like, yes, yes, yeah. here we go. This that's, is the universe working. That's perfect. Well, my <laughs> wife likes attractive people and she married me. So, you know, you're not, it's not that unusual. A little uh, May, December. Uh, Sarah, thanks very much for being on the show. Appreciate you. Best of luck. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Pete. I right, really appreciate it. Yeah. Bye. Sounds fun. Yeah. I I'm scared now. Is it too spicy? It's, it's not that spicy. It's um it? it's intense. Okay. I, I love it though. Like it's it's not it's not too spicy. What uh like if you're on a one to five, you can order a wing sauce. What are you ordering? Four? Oh, I can order a four. Oh, you're fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a four to five. Yeah. It's delicious. Dame, do you like spicy food? No. Okay. I didn't Talking. think so. That's why I didn't ask you on the air. What about this says, yes, give me spicy food? <laughs> on brand. Yeah. Yeah. What do I think of Dan? I think of Caliente. Yeah. Uh, my son, actually, he does. He like, he really, nobody in our family really likes hot stuff. My son, for some reason, I think he watched too much YouTube and, and all the challenges, but he started and, and his friends uh, started dabbling with hotter stuff. And yeah, he, uh, he enjoys some spicy Spicy wings every now and then. Speaking of spicy wings, let's get on the next segment. Dame, do you, uh, I'm going to intro us and then I'm going to toss to you. And if are you good explaining your idea here? Uh, yeah, I can muddle through something. Yeah. Or I'll give you a word. Plastic. <laughs> okay. God, how much of a bomb was that? It was fine. No, I don't think it was, Dame. Was that an old improv exercise? Did I? Did well, we just... I mean, so I had a friend who was a cop. Uh, have I told you this story before? I don't think so. No, but do we have time for the story? No, we okay. don't. Jeremiah, uh, we don't have time, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, he's a cop, and I used to ride with him. And when he'd go and pull someone over for a, a, a legitimate traffic infraction, I, he would say, give me a word, and I would give him a word. And he, because you could hear the audio on his police camera back in the car as you're riding, and mm -hmm. he was mic'd up, and he would, he would use that word. Oh my! Every time, and it would it would just be ridiculous, and it, it, it probably would have gotten him fired. Um, <laughs> needless to say, he's no longer a police officer, but it was a lot of fun. I'm glad you had That's, fun. <laughs> yeah, I used to ride along with him all the time. Or the shift would be from like five at night to five in the morning and I would do it on the weekends because I just loved it. So now I have to worry about, you said he'd pull them over for legitimate reasons. Now I have to worry about cops pulling people over for non-legitimate reasons. Meow. To do improv exercises. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's do the show. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. If you missed the first segment, it's, it's on you, man. It really is on you. But go to uh, PeteThePlanner.com, listen to the podcast. We just missed our interview with Sarah Murrell who is the founder of Metal Honey. 
It's scorpion honey. It's hot honey. It's a food. It's a gourmet. It's made locally in Indianapolis and it's delicious. And I want you to buy it. I have no affiliation with Sarah other than my wife's name, Sarah. And that particular Sarah is not my wife. Dame, for a few weeks, you've been like, hey, you know what we should talk about on the show is what are signs that a person's financial stability is starting to slip? You and your team serve um, hundreds of thousands of people on a regular basis, uh, annual basis, in regards to answering their financial issues. You can start to see their symptoms of their bigger financial ills. So did I describe that well or, or can you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we absolutely help tons and tons of people and we dig into numbers all the time and behaviors and whatnot. But this was actually born out of a more, you know, personal introspection kind of thing is, is you're going through your daily life and paying bills and, and trying to make sure you've got money where it should be going. I started thinking, how, how do I know outside of power percentage, of course, uh, that my financial stability might be slipping because what the indication may be for me, just that, that, that gut feeling or that, that little thing that you notice, uh, as you, as you're flipping through some papers or you get a bill, uh, it could be different for different groups of people. So I thought it'd be interesting if, if maybe we all discussed what we notice or what grabs our attention and we think, Ooh, is everything okay? Am I doing, am I still hitting all my goals? Am I still making that progress forward? Or am I still keeping things in check that need to be kept in check? I'll start since it was my idea. I think it's only fair. Uh, the biggest indication for me is the size of the credit card bill on a month in month out basis. Now we pay it off every month that that's not the issue, but we should have a general range of, of spending that we, we have on a month in month out basis, not counting, of course, you know, travel weekends for, for, uh, kids athletics and vacations and things like that but we know roughly where things are going to fall and i know that if it starts to stretch outside of a certain limit i'm going to start pushing the boundaries on do we have is the income there every month the cash flow of that or are we gonna have to dip into savings for for something else so pete you and i have discussed multiple times that we espouse the the, the lazy man's budget where yeah. we just make sure that everything is taken care of up front, all our savings goals, all the debt, all whatever that is taken care of. And we, we don't keep that close of an eye on everything else that, that's going on in our financial life. Doesn't work for everybody, happens to work for us. And so I've found that for better or worse, that credit card bill is the biggest indicator for me on how things are going inside of my house financially. Yeah, mine's not terribly different. It's it, it's on that spectrum. It's how many carryout containers are in the yeah. fridge at any given time. So my daughter is notorious for over-ordering and then just saying, I'll eat it later and put it in the fridge. So if we go in there and there's carryout containers for three or four different places at one time, then I'm like, what are we doing? Why am I not just making spaghetti and meatballs myself? Like what that that's how I know is when our fridge gets too many carryout containers that we probably spent too much or we're in a, or the other thing I would say about that too, is also food related. If I start to feel unhealthy, like actual, like mm-hmm. nutritionally unhealthy, it's because we're blowing money on f- unhealthy food. So, Interesting. Kristen, what, what, what's your tell? Both of those are really relatable. And for me, mine is related, maybe sort of adjacent is that my spending ebbs and flows big with like the seasons, because as we know, I love to go to concerts. So summertime is when I spend a lot more just by design than in the winter. So I'm putting money away, putting money away to have those fun weekends in the winter. But then what I sometimes find is that I get a taste of what it's like to just kind of spend what feels like frivolously. And then I can be prone to overspending my Apple watch. So I can be prone to overspending when I kind of get a taste of what it's like to have kind of like this, like, blase attitude about spending money. Um, So I think for me, it's just the time of year is pretty indicative of whether or not I'm as financially stable as I could be. Dave, do you blow more money in the last six weeks of the year like most people? It's a good question. Uh, Historically, yes, because you've got gifts and you've got events and all sorts of stuff that's going on. But in general, yeah, I'm wondering if that trend is going to going to keep up um going into the future just because of some changes that we've had in our our uh, personal lives but um 
It's yeah, I do. How about you? I do. It's all for me. It's a again, it's food. This is the food episode of the <laughs> Pizza Planner show. Uh, food uh, because around the holidays, I, like let's say I want to make a big roast or something and and have my family over. Mm-hmm. What I'll do is I'll go and buy a really expensive roast, but then I'll be like, oh, I need this, I need this, and because I just want the meal to be like the best and. Mm-hmm. I blow so much money at the grocery store the last six weeks of the year. It's probably the biggest thing, but I mean, it's still out of the spirit of the holiday and generosity, but it's, it's just like making food for people. And the one thing the three of us all know, uh, and that may not be readily apparent to the, the casual observer or listener, food is where most people get upside down really quick on spending, whether it's dining out, whether it's making multiple trips to the grocery without a plan on what you're going to buy whatever, however you're consuming food, that's the easiest place to overspend on a consistent basis. So if, if you're finding yourself short at the end of every month, I'm not saying starve yourself. I'm just start saying make some conscious food decisions and see if you might be able to save a few bucks uh, pretty easily, honestly, by um, examining where you're spending that money. Chris, and what do you think the other, from a discretionary standpoint, what's the biggest category of overspending for most people? Um, outside of food, I would maybe say that it's like what I would call uh, not maybe unnecessary home maintenance. So like things you don't have to do to your home, but they make your home feel better. I think there's a lot of social pressure there. Really? Whether it's, oh yeah. And maybe it's just because I'm a millennial and my house is new to me. And maybe that's something I feel or I see more in my circle, but it's that pressure to have like window treatments or new blinds or patio furniture or, and like I said, maybe it's just because my friends aren't as established because I'm younger, but I think that's, yeah, sorry. I think that that's an area where people my age can really, really overspend. Dan, what what would be your guess? Second category outside of food that we see the most overspending? I I think it's a toss up. Uh, What historically it may have been versus what it's going to be going forward. I really am worried that housing is going to be the issue that people overspend on and choose up a bigger percentage of their income than it used to just because of the decisions that people are faced with these days. Rent is higher. Um, We all know mortgages are higher, especially if you're going to go into the house that you want or uh, try and stretch into that house that you can grow into. You're going to end up paying significantly more, especially once you tack on all the maintenance that comes along with it and insurance. And we all know, we just, we've discussed at least once over the past couple of weeks that insurance rates are going up tremendously as well. Since home values are going up, property uh, property taxes are going to go up as well. So it, it, housing, I think, is going to be a big, big challenge for people to keep under control in the coming years. All right. In the next segment, actually, can we have a housing discussion? Because I want to talk about whether people really lower their buying target price based on interest rates, whether they should or shouldn't and do or they don't. And so yep. I want to talk about that. But I also want to say, here's the category I think people overspend on. And this will secure my reputation as a buzzkill. Uh, vacations. I think people overspend on vacations. Now, I know that it is isolated often to one, two, arguably three events, depending on who you are. But I think that release, that that holiday, as one might say overseas, uh, I think people spend a ton on vacations. Not that they shouldn't. That's not the point of this. But I think that's where you see an inordinate amount of spending in relation to financial goals. So let's do this. Let's take a break. Coming up after the break, here's the discussion. If interest rates are 7% and you were going to buy a $300,000 house, should you do it anyway or should you lower it to two forty? I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner show. Yeah, we just hijacked that. So good. I mean, we we could have said weddings is what people chronically spend too much money on, but hopefully you're not having too many of those. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if you get less than five is usually the thing I go with there. <laughs> weddings. Uh, Jeremy, and you're listening. Uh, mortgage lender here, just walking out of a closing, listening to your show. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Well, hopefully you have uh, AirPods in. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they signed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do with that commission check? Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. Okay, let's keep it moving. Are you guys good with this topic? I, I announced it publicly, so. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't matter. We're, we're going to do it anyway. Okay, in three, two, one. 
back on the Pete the Planner show, Kristen, uh, interest rates are high. They, they just are high. They're, they're high as they've been in a very long time. Oddly enough, they're not as high as they were when I bought my first home in the year 2000. So go figure. But we have had low interest rate environments for quite some time. And so this means as the housing market has heated up, as uh, home prices have increased, and now with mortgage rates increasing, there's this mania to try to get into a house as those houses climb in price, but the affordability is going the other direction. So my question to you, Kristen, is this, after a 35-second setup. <laughs> uh, my question is this. Should a person take interest rates into account on their home buying journey, especially as they're changing. Like if, if interest rates go from seven to 7.2 and I'm in this 60 day process of now a 56 second setup, uh, I'm in this process of buying a home, should my budget then go from again, 300,000 to now 270 because of this? Should a person do that honestly? I, I think technically, but I would work the math in a different direction. Ideally, you know what you have available for a down payment and you know percentage-wise what you're willing to spend or what you should spend, not what you're able to spend on a home. And by nature, it reduces the amount of house that you're shopping for as interest rates rise, right? I, I don't, I guess my hypothesis is, and Dame, correct me here, I think you. someone starts home shopping, and I'm picking up, our range is $300,000. So they're looking, they're looking in the winter, home buying season comes around in the spring, they're still looking in that 300000 range. And as we all know, because we've all done it, then you bump that range up to three fifteen. All the while, interest rates have climbed in your original thought of, oh, we can afford three hundred. And then someone just locks in on that 300, 315, and then that's where someone finds themselves over house because they are not taking into consideration the high interest rate. Dame, is that does that track or is this like yeah, a made up thing? No, I absolutely think it tracks. I mean, unless the home you are buying has a money tree in the backyard, you are in big trouble if you lock yourself into a dollar figure without taking into account all the other things that are going to cost you money on a month in, month out basis. It could be the interest rate. It could be uh, maybe you're moving into a more expensive part of uh, town or a different, a more expensive town with bigger, pro higher property taxes. Uh, insurance is going to be higher. You have to be con uh, conscious of all of those factors as you are making your home buying purchase. And once you are locked in, you might be stuck there for a while. You want to make sure that you can easily afford this, this housing decision for the next five to 10 years, if not longer. Yeah, Kristen, the other side of this is someone's confidence in their income, right? They have the confidence in the stability of their employment. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, they capture some sort of manif uh, you know, created confidence around uh, that income going up. Mm -hmm. you know? 100%. And then one of the words that Dame or phrases that Dame said in there is that you might be stuck there. And I think that the alternate of that is, I understand what he was saying, is that make a good decision because you might be stuck there. But I think that those words are easily the justification for moving to that higher price point. It's like, well, we're going to have to be here. This is something that I want to make sure that I really like. Or like my favorite thing that people say is like, this is our forever home. And I'm like, it's not. Um, so I think that those Because you're going to die. <laughs> is that what you mean? Not where I was going with that. Oh, but also I'm sorry. True. Go ahead. Go ahead. Also true. Um, but I think that some of those things that we're talking about are the exact, are the justification that sometimes is used to move into those higher, less affordable price points. Okay. So how about this? I take the third angle to you are stuck there. And the idea that you feel like you're stuck there is in itself this false premise because if you find yourself in a financial jam and the only fixed element is we are staying here, you're going to remain in that financial conundrum. Whereas the solution is to get out of the house. Dame, I've told you the story because five billion times you've heard it. A good friend that's ruined their financial life with this very thing until they decided, you know, well, let's just sell the house. And they did and everything got better, right? So that... I think this is, I, I don't know. I just feel like this is happening a lot right now based on interest rates, based on the flurry of the market. And uh, I think it's going to impact all sorts of things. I think it's going to impact student loans uh, because people are not going to be able to have enough money to save for the kids to 
college educations. I think it's going to have an impact on parent plus loans. I think it's going to have an impact on retirement. Um, I don't know. I, is the sky falling, Kristen? Or am I freaking out here? <laughs> I don't think that we're quite to sky falling, but I do think that the more we spend collectively on what is already the largest expense in most households, the more difficult it is to navigate our future financial lives. And that's the thing that I'm always trying to help someone see and to understand is if you can give yourself more flexibility in this category that's already dominating your budget, you just, you have what is a true exhale, not a false exhale like we talk about a lot on this show. In my opinion, it's a true exhale. It allows you the opportunity to fund other goals, to have more opportunities for ebbs and flows in your finances. And it's contingent on that house purchase. Yeah. So Dame, to your original question here uh, today, what are signs of instability that relates to being overhoused? Ooh. Uh, signs of instability that relate to being overhoused. Uh, coming up short on, oh gosh. Uh, so like, would coming up short on utility bills be one of your uh, a potential? That's interesting. That's super interesting, right? Because then your utility bills far exceed 10% of your income. That, that would be yeah. an interesting one. Here's a, one that I think of. If your mortgage payment is at or above or around 40% okay. of your take-home pay and you're underfunding retirement and you have a dwindling emergency fund, I, I think that is housing-induced instability. Yeah, I I wouldn't disagree with that. And by the way, for those of you listening outside of the Midwest, we, we understand housing prices very significantly. And maybe you don't have transportation costs and you can move some of those monies into your housing budget. But in general, there's a right range for everybody to on what they should be spending for their housing. And you just have to be in tune with that and make sure you're you're not going over the line in other places. Kristen, on our live stream, listener Andy notes that uh, pushing off maintenance because he can't afford it. Oh, that's a... Uh... Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a, I mean, telltale sign, right? Oh, a hundred percent. And the other one I was thinking of is, I mean, I, I don't know if, how recently the two of you got your property tax assessments, but mine was ugly. <laughs> I didn't like it. And because um, that's the other side of the housing tulip market mania is that now your property taxes have gone up by extreme percents. And, but if you feel that you can't really afford that increase, if that increase is legitimately causing you worry, stress, anxiety, financial grief, that's not where the, the bulk of your mortgage payment is going anyway. So if that increase puts a strain on your budget, m my inclination would be that you're already at the top of it. Dame, do you remember we used to talk about, this was years ago, we used to talk about when someone buys a new construction home and the property tax, the initial property tax escrow payment is based on the land and land alone. And what, sometimes it can take 18 months or something like that? No. Yeah, it, 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 there is a definite um, cycle for that to pick up. I don't know about 18 months is definitely on the long side. I would probably within a year, uh, but I guess it depends on how quickly your home is finished and the tax cycle that you're following. But yeah, property taxes can be a big surprise down the road if you haven't done some research into what you would anticipate paying. So think about this, Kristen. Someone does uh, makes a housing decision based on their confidence, this weird confidence in their income and going up. Oh, we'll be able to grow into the payment. And then home insurance gets more expensive. Property taxes get more insurance or get more expensive. And then all of a sudden, this what you thought you could handle. Meanwhile, in an inflationary environment where your groceries are getting 11% more expensive, like I think there's a lot of hidden real estate related pain right now. Uh, I don't know how we would figure this out other than foreclosures, <laughs> but like, uh, I don't know, Dame, it's my, it's my working theory. I, I, there's a lot of interesting stuff out there right now with, uh, you know, Everybody assuming that people who have 3% mortgages aren't going anywhere any while, anywhere for a while. And there's other housing needs. So new construction is going to continue to boom for a while. Uh, before we go to the break, I got an email uh, solicitation this week for a cash out mortgage uh, for 7.5%. Uh, like, mm. No, thank you. Uh, coming up after the break, the biggest waste of money of the week in the news. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Pete the Planner Show. Can you imagine getting rid of a 2.5% mortgage? to cash out and refinance all everything to seven and a half percent. Why would like, that is criminal. That email is criminal. I don't disagree. It's, it's 
it's my money and I want it now. Also, Danza made a really good point. The side effects of an expensive home, there's just more that comes with that. I mowed my grass uh, in 90 whatever degree heat this week in seven minutes. Shirt off. (laughs) Um, You want me to take my shirt off? Uh, We're mowing. We have a shirt off while you're mowing. Uh, no, <laughs> I've transitioned into dad bucket hat and long sleeve, uh, UV protection shirt to mother. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Oh man. Wells Fargo is now suggesting tapping your home equity in lieu of cash. I know. I, I, I know. Okay. Dame, let's keep it moving. Uh, Jeremiah, we got <clears throat> stuff to do. So, Sorry. um, no, it's, that's on, that's on me. Uh, let's start in three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is trying to get there. The Ferrari Endurance. Few automaker. The Ferrari Endurance. Few automakers can match the cachet of Ferrari in endurance racing. Despite 50 years having passed since Marinello's last top tier works entry at Le Mans, No one knows what that means. The allure of the French track is irresistible, and Ferrari will be returning to the highest level of competition with the 499P. Here's where we get to it, guys. Everyone calm down. To mark the occasion, Ferrari has released Endurance, a radical book detailing the firm's history in endurance racing. Like their cars, Endurance is unique, bound in riveted aluminum like vintage race cars and encased in a carbon fiber case with NACA duct, a nod to modern racing tech. The book runs 312 pages in homage to the 312P. Dame, is that something? Is it an engine? Yeah, no, it's a car. Oh, no one knows. The race car that dominated, oh, there you go, <laughs> endurance events in 1972. So, Kristen, <laughs> this is a book <laughs> called Ferrari Endurance. Okay. And um, how much... How much would you pay for it? Not how much would you pay for it. I was wrong. How much does it yeah. cost is the, is the question. I'm sorry. Thanks, Dave. I don't know how much it costs. Whatever it costs is too much. Um, but I'm going to go with $300. $300. Okay. Dame, um, what's your guess? Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh, my, you know what? I'm going to go... Uh, Three thousand one hundred twenty dollars for the three twelve. Ooh, Ooh. tricky! What if, what if both of you are so wrong? Is, is it twelve grand or something like that? Twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, the book is twenty thousand dollars. I'm going to wait till it gets on the shelves of half price books. <laughs> Name what's in the news this week? <laughs> uh, Pete, this one might actually hit close to home because I, I think we're going to uh, stop and see how many of these things apply. You'll understand shortly. In a little over a month since joining Inter Miami, Messi has far exceeded the lofty expectations set for him, boosting the fortunes of the team, Major League Soccer, and brands basking in the glow of a superstardom. On Saturday night, Messi scored his 10th goal in seven games, and his team, Inter Miami, which was pretty bad before he joined, won the League's Cup tournament in penalties. With his 44th trophy, Messi became the most decorated soccer player ever. Uh, pause. Pete, were you pumped about that? I watched all, I've watched all the games that he's played in since he's been in the U.S. I watched one on Wednesday night as he uh, he's now going to the finals of the U.S. Cup, a different cup. He's going to win that against Houston on September 27th. Go ahead. The secondary effects of Messi's magnificent month have been astounding. For example... Apple subscriptions to MLS's season pass on Apple TV Plus have more than doubled since Messi joined Inter Miami. One of the team, uh, one of the team owners tweeted in recent earnings call. Apple CEO Tim Apple, uh, Tim Cook, uh, <laughs> said he could not be happier with how the partnership is going. Uh, Pete, do you own an MLS season pass on Apple TV Plus? Well, I'm going to let Kristen guess since she's the world's greatest financial guesser. The answer is yes. Of course I do. Yeah. All right. Check. One for one. Jersey sales. Messi's now iconic pink Inter-Miami jersey was the top seller across all sports for Fanatics last month. Uh, An Adidas spokesperson told Reuters that the demand for Messi's jersey in Miami has, quote, truly been unprecedented. Pete, how many Messi jerseys are in your house? 
Uh, <laughs> that's embarrassing no it's not it's not it's I, i'm trying to answer accurately ted has an argentina jersey okay yep but i don't think messi's on the back i think it's just a general jersey that doesn't okay. have the label so but i'll count that one we he doesn't we talked about this at dinner the other night he he wants a pink uh, yeah I, he's a big jersey guy i know that so i assume there would be at least one and okay, likely fair. multiple sure but anyway Ticket prices, much like Swifties did for the Eras Tour, fans around the country have packed stadiums when Messi comes to town, setting ticket prices skyrocketing to more than 1,700% on resale sites. Yay. A game that sans Messi would have drawn a sparse crowd last week's Philly versus Inter-Miami match had a standing room tick only tickets going for $241 and field-level seats going for... Pete, you want to guess? I mean, uh, I'm guessing uh, 800 You're wrong. $16,200. $16,200. Pete, will you go see Messi play? Yes, uh, we will. But I don't. I have several friends that already have tickets. We eventually will go. Um, probably let them come down a little bit. But, you know, probably. Yeah. Still I mean, on the it's once in a lifetime experience. Books. Yeah, yeah wait till the. Uh, we'll just drive our uh, Ferrari Endurance there. Uh, oh, that'd be a lame. Wow, moment. that segment worked for you. Yeah, uh, I mean, there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it was great. Good for you. What else is in the news? Americans may have high standards for many things. Turns out, sushi isn't one. Uh, the grocery store operator Kroger is the biggest purveyor of sushi in the country, selling more than forty million pieces a year, according to the Wall Street Journal. The company realized that it was number one back in 2020, and in the past three years has ramped up its sushi offerings to claim even more market share. Uh, quote, when customers think of sushi, we want them to think of Kroger, one exec said. But it's not just Kroger. Grocery stores across the U.S. are benefiting from consumers choosing an $8.99 California roll over an uh, omakase dinner night. Sushi sales at U.S. retailers have risen more than 70% in the past year. Dan, where are you on sushi? Uh, you like it? Don't like it? Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I've, uh, I tell you, I had eel a number of years ago, and mm. it was delicious. Unagi. Uh, Kristen? I used to think I didn't like sushi and recently have been converted and had the best sushi at, in Myrtle Beach like three weeks ago. So good. Nice. Yes, I'm a fan as well. You know, here's the thing about our friends at Kroger, and we want to be kind to uh, all people in the business community. I think it's great that they're opening people up to, to that. But to claim that when you want people to think of sushi, you want to think of Kroger, I don't know. I'd probably keep that copy to myself, right? Yeah, that seems a little uh, aggressive. Uh, I mean, everybody's got to have goals. I'm all for that, but uh, I don't know. That's your lane. Uh, what else? Uh, you know, my watch broke, so I don't know how much time we've got left. How, how big of a story can I go with here? We have two minutes and 26 seconds. Pay for new hires is starting to shrivel after years of hefty salary bumps requiring workers to reset what financial gains they expect from switching a new to a new job. Wages, especially for people who change jobs, climbed in recent years as companies competed for workers to fill pandemic-induced labor shortages. But now as the job market cools, businesses become more cautious in their hiring. Many companies are paying new recruits less than they did just months ago, in some cases, much less. Among postings for more than 20,000 job titles on ZipRecruiter's site this year, the average pay for the majority of roles has declined substantially from last year. Some of the steepest drops have been in technology, transportation, and other sectors that experienced frenzy hiring sprees in 2021 and early 2022. Pete, I think the tide is starting to turn back in favor of the employer in the uh, the great labor struggle. Yeah, you know, it's that's true. I think when it it was nice to to see that ground had been made up in terms of of having income increase across the country, the the hope that I think most people hold, even myself as an employer, is that if employers are going to take control again, that they do it with a sense of goodwill and don't pull too hard. Uh, and, and, and take back some of the gains that were made. Um, but I don't have a lot of faith that that's going to happen. Uh, here, it will happen. But other places, I'm not so sure. Kristen, you're friends with lots of youngs. Are they experiencing <laughs> something, uh, something similar? I don't think from an income perspective, I think in lieu of that, more advantageous work weeks. Like I have lots of friends who work four days a week in lieu of potentially not having received that higher comp. 
Oh, uh, that's, are you, oh I didn't know how so many friends with part-time jobs. That's uh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> are are you talking four tens or four eights or what? What kind of work structure are you talking here? Four eights. Four oh. eights. Yeah, part-time's fun. All right, are you trying to set off an argument at our executive meeting next week? Absolutely not. Well, I know what side I might be on. Anyway, (laughs) actually, I will say that during the pandemic, we had a four-day work week. Did we not? Yes, we did. That's all we have time for. And because good times, how does it work? Uh, Good vibes are all that's in the budget. (laughs) Thanks for listening. I'm still Pete the Planner. Wow, I was... uh, delightful end of the show matches the start oh my gosh what a crappy show by <laughs> me i i feel like i have self-awareness like i feel like i know when i bomb and that i i would give myself a c to c minus today <laughs> i'm sorry it wasn't my best work not because i didn't want it to be just wasn't those of you still in the comments, do you agree with Pete C? C- yeah, don't, don't, <laughs> don't stroke my ego here. Now, let's let's be honest here. So, Dame, you, you, we've done this for a very long time together. Not my best performance. Uh, I'm, no, I mean, I, you're right. It was not your best performance. Was it drastically <laughs> worse? No. I think it was. Kristen? I, I don't think it was. I always think that you're harder on yourself. Sometimes yeah. when I go back and watch, I'm like, I can see where you might have felt places were a fumble live, but I never think, I always think you're more critical on you yeah. than as an audience member we are. Um, She said planning the next segment. Uh, was this Danza. your first week? Is this your first show, Danza? <laughs> planning the next segment while recording was odd. You know, oddly enough, I thought that was the best thing I did on the show today. <laughs> Was give the third segment a uh, new inspiration in, in the second segment. I think it's funny. The radio show may have actually been fine. I think the podcast is going to suck. Mm, I can't That's wait funny. for those ratings. Uh, um, I think people think it's a bit that you do when you say <laughs> that you don't know what we're doing on the show. So maybe planning it oh. in the segment did feel out of pocket, but that's because it's not a bit like (laughs) um that's all i gotta go um thank you very much i won't give you c minus next week i promise uh goodbye kristen goodbye dame everyone else stay getting money